your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand off the middle, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three call, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Touchdown, Scott! Underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Now, your hosts, KLIM contributor, Cole Stukenholz, and sports director, Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning, and welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour, a July 4th weekend edition. I'm Cole Stukenholz. That's Caleb Henry. Hello. How's it going? We are here for you on this, uh, well, it was a busy week. It was a busy week. Yeah. Objectively. Not that it had anything directly to do with Husker sports, which is, of course, what we care about and tell you all about. But No, oh it, it impacts Husker sports quite a deal. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we are back in we are back in 2015. Or 2015. We are back in 2010 again, all of a sudden, with uh, conference realignment. You want to know what was so wild about the summer of 2010? I was living in Omaha. That was my first summer back from college. And I uh, there were some issues. I was supposed to be on campus, and then I was too old to go to junior nationals. And so it was like, crap, i got to find something to do. Oh, my cousin lives in Omaha. I'll go live with him and get a job for the summer. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I am working at Oakview Mall. Yeah. At Red... Uh, not, not Red... Was it Red Zone? It was, it was a Husker store. Yeah. And I'd have to check my resume to even see what the name of the store was. Maybe it was Red Zone. I don't know. But it's all Husker store. The amount of times I have watched the national championship game against Tennessee, just because it would play on a loop in there. Mm-hmm. But the whole summer, if you work at a Husker store, and there's a lot of Husker talk going on, you're the de facto expert for yep. people to come in and just talk. Watch old Husker games and talk. Buy Husker gnomes and talk. Good thing you're a talker. Oh, I figured it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was incredible. That that entire summer, the way all of that went, um, the way the next couple of years went. What I don't think a lot of us were necessarily anticipating when Oklahoma, Texas, that news came out, and then that kind of that took a few days. Yeah, you know. Um, and so then it was like, okay, well, what's, what's the big 10 going to do? Does the big 10 have to do anything? Because the talk for the big 10 immediately turned to, well, there's a giant media rights deal going to be coming up. Mm-hmm. Does the big 10 even need to do something to react? Credit the big 10 leadership that they didn't just go and immediately say, well, we have to go add to ourselves. Yeah. They waited around, tried to maybe Maybe they did go out, see if there were some great fits. Obviously, the Big Ten is enough of a, a good deal compared to other leagues that you get two schools from the Los Angeles and Southern California area to reach out to you. And then within a few hours of the news even dropping, it's a done deal. And you've got, and you can read all the statements at KLIN.com. From USC leadership, from UCLA leadership, um, from the Big Ten. And obviously, I put Nebraska leadership's statement on there as well, welcoming them. But this was like it was out of nowhere and so fast because everything else had been so slow played. Mm -hmm. Think about how long it took the Nebraska decision to really come about. That wasn't over six hours. No. (laughs) No, that that was over the course of... Uh, what six months basically the end of like the 2009 season and then all the overtures for those pack those big 12 south teams t- mm-hmm. towards the pack 12 and yeah and and look you you mentioned how the big 10 kind of slow play the thing they let the game come to them that's what you want when when you're playing in a in a sport right you don't want to you don't want to force the issue too much to the point where you you kind of get out of sorts you want to let it come to you and and then and then make it happen and so this is very much a long game that's being yes. played between two superpowers. Yes. Um, we'll get to this. We'll get to future college expansion mm. later in the show. 
Um, obviously, we got to talk about what this means for Nebraska immediately mm-hmm. with with USC UCLA. I'll tell you this, Cole. I do believe that we're not going towards if the number were to stop at twenty, mm-hmm. even twenty four. We're not going towards two super conferences. We're going towards three. We're going towards three. And I've worked a little bit of that out. So we, we, we can get into that. And I think that this isn't a bad thing when we're looking at super conferences. And it's really easy to roll our eyes on it. But the further forward we go, the more we're going to have to look to the past on what things actually looked like. And it's going to be a good thing. It's going to be a good thing. Heard, I, I'm saying it it's going to be a good thing. So one of the things that kind of sticks out with this whole thing, and you're, you're talking about how right now the Big Ten in Nebraska, they're sitting at 14 teams. With USC, UCLA joining in 2024, that makes it 16 teams. Mm-hmm. Right now the SEC is looking at Oklahoma and Texas coming in. Is that to start the 2023 season or is that also 2024? I thought that was like 2025. Is it 25? It might be 25. Yeah, let, so let, let me do a quick Google search for here's that. Here's my question. Do either of those conferences actually ever play a full season with exactly 16 teams in the conference? Yes or no? Um, Sorry, I was trying to... I was I was reading here. It looks like a 2024 season for the, that SEC movement as well. As well. Okay. So do, do either of these conferences actually play a football, basketball, ba- you know, baseball, volleyball, whatever season? They play a whole academic year with exactly 16 members. I will say yes. Okay. But it might only be one. It might be only one full academic year. Um, so if, if there's no other news comes out, let's say, because we're, we're going to get to, like I said, what, what this could all fall out. But the big prize out there is Notre Dame. Right. So a lot of it falls on, is Notre Dame ready to make a move? And if they are not... SEC and Big Ten might just hold pat mm-hmm. uh, because I think the Big Ten is not going to do anything unless they can get Notre Dame at the moment. Yeah. And I think SEC is now waiting to see, is there a prize big enough to add unless the Big Ten goes and adds someone else? Mm-hmm. Um, does the SEC necessarily need to raid the ACC yet? They're going to wait on that. Um so you're not going to get anything, I believe, for the next few months. That could change literally tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, there is a possibility that you get around to next summer and more decisions come out, yeah. and then those are for 2025. Yeah. You know, so, so I do believe that there's a possibility that that 2024 season is played, whether it's just the SEC or just the Big Ten, with just their 16 member institutions. Right. So, yeah, you're you're going to get one of them. But oh boy, the 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 fallout for this for the University of Nebraska. Number 1, recruiting across all of your sports just just got a bump. You have more access to the state of California recruiting than you've had. And not to say Nebraska's done bad recruiting California just you saw what it was when Nebraska had access to Texas versus immediately the fallout of not having access to Texas Um, you now have access to California for all of your sports Mm -hmm. and that's not just a big deal for football where football you get to go out to the Coliseum you get to go out to the Rose Bowl you get Southern California Um, baseball you have a lot more access to those West Coast players those California players Um, so Will Bolt is obviously doing a really good job of putting that fence and that barrier around the state of Nebraska. Um, obviously, this incoming class is a lot of transfers, a lot of JUCO guys. Got another um, one this week, by the way. Right, but a lot of them, a lot of them do have ties to the area still, mm-hmm. uh, ties to the region. Um, you think softball, UCLA, USC, pretty good. Yeah. Um, neither of them have wrestling programs, but Jordan Burroughs has already volunteered to go out and coach them. Um, that was pretty good on Twitter so they might have to add that Um, basketball programs yeah men's and women's they've done all right yes softball they've done all right volleyball Mm -hmm. been pretty good 
Yeah. So you're going through several sports, and that's not even before we get to like track and field and the ridiculousness of the amount of Olympians that have come out of those two. The women's gymnastics teams, just gymnastics as a whole, for those programs. I think UCLA has one of the uh, um, one a former Olympian on their team, or multiple. Mm. Um, these are tremendous programs. Not just looking at football. Football steers the ship, but everything else is very, very good that you're getting from Los Angeles. There's also a lot of uh, uh, Nebraska alumni that are oh, based yeah, for sure out in California, West Coast, specifically Southern Cal and the L.A. area. Yeah, we've seen plenty of times where those Pac-12 games look a little bit empty, that Rose Bowl not exactly full. That's not going to be the case anymore. Nebraska goes out there. Ohio State goes out there. Michigan goes out there. Those places are going to start getting better attendance just because of being in the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's just then you just look at the overall what the media rights deal, how much money everyone else is everyone's going to get across the league. Now you have to you're going to have to split it two more ways. I think you're still going to net more oh, by sure. by adding that LA market. You now have LA, Chicago, DC, New York, um, pseudo Kansas City, because Nebraska being close enough. Yeah, like you, like you're Philly. You're, you, have, you have Penn State. Yeah, yeah, you got Philly in there. Yeah, you're you you DC. you have stuff that. While it was great for the SEC to add Oklahoma and Texas, that's not Los Angeles. They didn't get that market. Right. Like, it, it was a giant move to add the Sooners and Longhorns to the Southeastern Conference. They didn't get L.A. And there's no way for them to get L.A. now. So that, I mean, <laughs> the Big Ten is the premier conference. You, you can look at what you want for football titles. You can look at what the SEC did in baseball. Big Ten's where it's at. And it's not done. And we'll get to that. <laughs> yes, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to some more implications specific to Nebraska. Um, I've got thoughts as to how this way, how this goes in terms of the rest of expansion, and I think it goes one of two ways. Uh, and we'll dig one into of that. two. I put several scenarios together for you. You've gone Doctor Strange on this thing. I, 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 that's the that's the vibe I've gotten from you. But the other thing is. Um, what what it will do in terms of impacting some of the non-Olympic sports, and I'm sure you have thoughts on that. Yeah, you 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 said right off the top this thing is is going to be good. Uh, I'm interested in how you spin that in relation to the Olympic sports because I think you may have a scenario that gets to that. Mm -hmm. I just that that's the part of it that is hard to figure. Is like really this is going to benefit like the softball pro and and you know the the. All all those all those smaller programs that have to mm -hmm. do, you know, a little bit of travel. Like, and we're in the middle. Nebraska is so so. We are going to have. You Here's know, the thing. Nebraska ends up benefiting a little bit. A little bit, yes. By you were the westernmost outpost. You're no longer the San Diego of the Big Ten. You're the Nebraska. You're the Nebraska of the Big, of the Big Ten. Ten. <laughs> Hat tip, Robin Washit. Yes. <laughs> And Husker Hoops Central for the San yeah. Diego. Um, so, yeah, you, you end up getting all of that. But Nebraska ends up being the beneficiary of being the westernmost where they're not hit as much right. by adding the West Coast teams. But being in the Big Ten and and covering, seeing all the coverage on, on the BTN, as we will, you're going to see plenty of that begin, you know, some something that's talked about by all of the other teams, basically, because they aren't going to have that same travel benefit out east. What's that promo going to look like? Are they going to start at Rutgers now and going to work their way west? They'll get to Lincoln and then just like super speed past the Rockies. Well, you, you had somebody, I think it was Jim Weber on Twitter, who posted the uh, the intro to Game of Thrones as the new the new Big Ten commercial. I like that. The memes were strong this week. Let's just say that. That's Caleb Henry. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Kenny Larrabee's got us up on the Facebook Live at KLIN Huskers. Uh, big show. We've got the position previews. Defensive back coming up. A lot of starters. A lot of starts to replace. Uh, and we are going to talk recruiting next with Nate Klaus at Inside Nebraska, part of the Rivals Network. Uh, Nate Klaus coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. <laughs> 
your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour here with you on your holiday weekend. Hopefully it'll stop raining so we can get out there and enjoy it. And man, this this uh, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do because you've got an extended weekend and we have a toddler. Yeah. We got to find a way to burn some energy. <laughs> Dog park's out of the question right now, so uh, yes. we're figuring we might end up at the mall or mm-hmm. just a big old store and say, go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Target. You're going to have to deal with Millie for a little bit. Yeah, that's, uh, well, which is fine because we'll just end up buying several more Yoda <laughs> shirts for her. They have a plentiful collection. Hey, you got you to you do your shopping somewhere. You got to do your shopping somewhere. And uh, locally, Nebraska football is doing their shopping locally uh, recently. Yeah. They've uh, also branched down to, uh, to some other places to get some talent. Uh, they're sitting uh, at 10 commitments right now and looking for more they had a busy june and, and here to uh, help discuss that and the future of uh, husky recruiting uh, is nate klaus from inside nebraska on the rivals.com network he's a recruiting analyst over there uh nate thanks a lot for joining us how are you i'm doing well how are you guys pretty good uh, first of all congratulations on on getting back in the game you had a little bit of a hiatus there so uh good to see you're back there with uh, the rivals network on inside nebraska i appreciate that yeah, so let, I think we talked to Nate not long before he took the break. It, it was like maybe a week or two before. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So like, there, we, there we go. Like, we'll hey. we'll bookend that break for you. There you go. Exactly right. Yep. Just you just come here whenever you're going to make another move <laughs> and announce it for us. So. <laughs> um, so hey, it was a busy June. Uh, Nate, half of Nebraska's current list of their ten commits verbaled in June. What did you see from this staff that got kind of? pulled apart and put back together uh, in December and January that led to this surge in June and, and what's on the horizon? Yeah, you know, I, I think that it's uh, it's pretty significant, um, you know, how everything has kind of played out. I, I think that this was a, a coordinated effort to, to really refocus on in-state players. You know, there's a, a, a plethora of talent in-state-wise um, you know, and, and so I think that that was um, definitely a priority with a lot of these in-state guys. Um, you know, and, and as always, you, you saw them really putting put an emphasis on getting kids on campus for the spring game, uh, if possible, or for you know spring um, practices. Uh, but really, um, you know, to take advantage of those early official visits, whether that was at the end of May or, of course, throughout the month of June. And, um, you know, and that, that has really paid off. I think, um, you know, with the way that, that recruiting is now, you can't necessarily bank on getting an official visit later on in the process or even, you know, even early in the fall. You, if you have the ability to get a kid on campus in the month of June, I think you gotta, you got to take that opportunity. Um, and I think this staff especially wanted to kind of front load those official vis- visits in the beginning of June, uh, get the priority guys on campus early, um, you know, with other top priority guys. And, um, you know, the way it's kind of unfolded is that, that that strategy has kind of paid off, like you said, uh, half of the, the commitment list, um, you know, jumped in the boat here over the last month or so. Nate, looking at Nebraska, just the, the in-state recruiting, last year obviously did not go um, as well, and, and people can, can look at all of that, but um, I think a lot of that had to deal with not being able to get a lot, a lot of guys to campus because of, you know, recruiting not existing for uh, for several months because of the pandemic. But now... Like you said, it's really a focus in state. We know it's a big deal because it's guys that are growing up knowing Nebraska football, but in just getting the guys that are going to come play for Nebraska, how big of a deal is it to go and get most of the top 10 guys in the state? Well, it's huge. Uh, first of all, like I said earlier, you know, this is, we've seen the, the amount of talent. Um, and you know the i guess the the upper end talent especially kind of grow here over the last few recruiting cycles um and it seems you know that seems to be a trend here going forward for the next few years uh matter of fact i think that 
Um, you know, there was a period of time where you might have one or two kids that were kind of no brainer Husker recruits in the state. And then the rest, you kind of had to project and say, OK, you know, they're going to you know, they're going to develop in our program and end up being, uh, you know, a Nebraska caliber player down the road or whatever. But, um, you know, when you've got the amount of uh, Division One talent in the state that, that we currently have got. Um, you know, you, you gotta go after them and, uh, in the, their ability to kind of have that early success, I think is, is very telling because, uh, these guys are not only does it kind of signal, signal to a lot of the other in-state players that, Hey, um, you know, we're staying home. This is what we're doing. Uh, but also I think it tells everyone that, Hey, we got a lot of trust where the program's going. You know, it hasn't, uh, necessarily, you know, been as successful or things haven't played out the way that, that Coach Frost and, and the staff have wanted them to play out right now. But, um, you know, I think it tells other top recruits like a Malachi Coleman uh, that's still, mm-hmm. you know, out there um, that is a top, you know, top 100 type of talent that, hey, we're, we're all staying home. We believe we're, you know, the direction of the program. Uh, and so I think that is a, that is a huge um, a huge win for the staff early on to to kind of have that type of narrative play out, whereas you know that hasn't always been the case over the last year or over the last you know the previous class or two. For our listeners, Malachi Coleman committed to the All American Bowl this week um, to be played down in the Alamo Bowl or Alamo Dome. Very cool. Yep, that's uh, Nate Klaus, Husker. Uh, recruiting analyst for Inside Nebraska, joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, the in-state recruiting uh, has has been kind of a, a hot-button issue in terms of how how these guys line up with each other. Uh, the Zane Flores commitment and, and non-offer from Nebraska, a commitment to Oklahoma State and non-offer from Nebraska at a quarterback position, that's been... Uh, a hot button issue as well. Uh, with this particular 2023 in-state crop, uh, who who do you see as your top three, or or maybe uh, your site's top three? And and what 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 is it about Malachi Coleman that makes him such an important get if Nebraska is able to get him from Lincoln East High? Yeah, I mean he's he's a special athlete. Um, you just don't see too many you know six four hundred ninety five pound athletes that have his type of uh, versatility, you know, um, not only does he have the measurables and, you know, the length, but um, like I said, he's, he's a versatile kid. He can line up, you know, he can be split out wide on offense and go up and, and uh, you know, get a, get a jump ball uh, on the, on the edge. Um, uh, and not only just be a possession receiver, but he can also outrun everybody on the field too. Or he can line up as a reg, an edge rusher, you know, pass rusher, uh, you know, as an outside linebacker or stand up defensive end, uh, and, and get after the quarterback. And so you just don't see many, too many players that are built like that. And so, um, and, you know, you've seen it with the NFL draft over the last probably five to, to 10 years. You know, those types of athletes are highly coveted now. Uh, and so, uh, the same thing's playing out, you know, with recruiting too. So uh, I think that's what makes him such a special athlete, uh, and that's why he's ranked so high. Um, and it's, you know, he's by no means a, a, you know, a finished product. But like I said, you just he has those intangibles. He has the that type of body that you just can't coach. And so um, that's what makes him kind of the the prize recruit in the state. Um, you know, and you could say a lot, you know very similar, I guess, um, you know, for a guy like Maverick Noonan, who's mm-hmm. 6'4", 230 pounds. Um, he could he could do a lot of different things, offense or defense. And he can, uh, uh, you know, plus he has all those intangibles that you can't coach too. Uh, so, uh, and of course, you, you know, his, his genetic, uh, you know, he, he, he kind of won the lottery as far as the, uh, the, that genetic, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the genetic lottery there uh, coming from, um, you know, having an All-American dad that was a first-round NFL draft pick in Danny Noonan and everything. So, um, you know, and, and with Maverick, you know, I, I've seen a lot of in-state players over the years, and I've said that, you know, uh, there's like three guys that, that have the type of motor um, or two other guys that really stand out that have the type of motor that, that Maverick has, and that's Harrison Phillips out of Miller, Millard West uh, and um, – 
you know, Nelson out of, uh, out of Scott's bluff, yeah. you know, those are, those are, those are two kids, Garrett Nelson, um, and, and Harrison Phillips, two kids in high school that just had that motor that would not quit. And they were just relentless. And Maverick Noonan, uh, is built that same way. Looking outside the state, now that we've got that information on USC and UCLA coming to the Big Ten, for Nebraska recruiting, um, granted those two schools won't be in the league until 2024, at least as of right now, um, for this coaching staff looking recruiting down the road, are they going to start looking more in that L.A. and Southern California area, letting guys know that they'll be playing in Los Angeles during their collegiate careers? Yeah, I think you have to. Um, that's that's something. If you if you don't kind of tweak your your focus a little bit um, and take advantage of that, I think I think you're I think that's a missed opportunity. And so uh, now that they're joining the league, now that you can actually go into the living room of of a you know a kid in in L.A. or you know the Inland Empire out in California, where just there's just so much talent, and you can say you can tell their parents that hey, look. Um, you know, we're going to be playing games in in LA. You know, in California. Um, you know, they're this is now you know Big Ten country. Um, you know, that's that's uh, becomes a much easier sell, I think. And so, uh, so I do think that that's going to have an impact, and we're going to see. You know, Nebraska probably have to uh, to adjust and, and tweak a few things. Um, now, I don't think it's going to completely change the way they've been operating. Uh, you know, and, and we're not going to see them you know, pull out of uh, a state like Georgia <clears throat> where they've had a lot of success or, you know, even Florida or, um, you know, now Louisiana with Mickey Joseph here and, and things like that. But uh, I definitely do think, you know, a coach like Bill Bush all of a sudden, um, you know, with, with his prior success out even in Arizona and in California, I think all of a sudden, uh, you know, he's going to have a lot larger presence out there. We, we've talked to some other guys since the the hirings uh, about Bill Bush and Mickey Joseph, and and I don't know that it could be overstated the amount of impact that they have had and and will continue to have on the recruiting for this program. Just from your personal perspective, what do those two add to the mix when it comes to being able to bring in the top level athletes that Nebraska's maybe missed on the last few years? Well, I think first of all, they're relentless recruiters. Um, they're, you know, you you have to love recruiting and be obsessed with it to be a, to be a dynamic recruiter at this level. Uh, and, and both Bill Bush and Mickey Joseph, they they love recruiting. Um, and, and then on top of that, you got to have a great personality. You have to be able to connect with kids. Uh, and you have to have a track record and and be able to say, hey, this is what I've done in my career. This is what I've accomplished. Um, this is where I can help you get to. Um, and, you know, Bill Bush and, and Mickey Joseph can certainly say that with some of the players that they've been able to recruit and develop and get to the next level. Uh, some of the success that they've had at other programs um, in the past, um, you know, with, with where they've been. Uh, and so I think all of those things together kind of make them dynamic recruiters and this is what nebraska needs they you know it's this is not an easy place to to recruit to um you know especially when you haven't had the success on the field like like you we would have wished um you know and so you you've got to be able to to go out there and and uh and recruit at a high level and get those game changers uh in here uh for a visit and then be able to have the ability to to close the deal with those guys and i think that's what you're kind of seeing with guys like bill bush and mickey joseph it's Nate Klaus, Husker recruiting analyst for Inside Nebraska, part of the Rivals Network. Uh, Nate, thanks a lot for joining us. Welcome back to the game, if you will, and uh, we'll be in touch down the road. Yeah, Have a good weekend. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, you're hopefully it dries up and you're able to to get out there and enjoy the weekend. Absolutely, you as well, Nate Klaus, uh, with uh, some good stuff, and and he would know um, about uh, Bill Bush in particular, having been a, a little bit of a part of that Callahan staff when mm, Bush was. Right. Uh, an assistant there and and yeah like like he said the the get that malachi coleman would be as you mentioned he's already committed to the all-american bowl um it they 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 really really can't miss on like nebraska missed on those top four guys that were all out of the omaha area last year there was there it was some understandable stuff you kind of lost your advantage since you couldn't have the the in-state travel 
with the pandemic. Not so here. Malachi's been uh, there to Lincoln. I mean, he lives in Lincoln, but he's mm-hmm. been to campus quite a bit. Can't miss on that one. No, it's there. There, there are certain guys that, and and I will always be on the the side of athletes if they want to go try something different. Um, I went and tried something different. I went out of state, not because I didn't like Nebraska, um, but there was just I wanted to go see something else. And there are some other guys in past classes. Whether it's football or basketball, that have simply wanted to go do something else. They've wanted to go to the West Coast. They wanted to play in the SEC. Those are different than if you lose a recruiting battle to Iowa yeah. or yeah. Wisconsin and Minnesota. So, and he's in your backyard. That's the other thing. A lot of the guys that you've missed on have been in the Omaha Metro. Yeah. They haven't been in your back, back backyard, right? Knocking at the back door, saying, "I'm right here." That's Malachi Coleman. You can't miss him. Maybe going to school with some of the uh, some of the coaching staff's kids potentially because they live in Lincoln. Too, uh, like. Going to school with someone's kid who might be the biggest Nebraska homer of all time. Well, there's that too. You can <laughs> certainly catch that conversation on the Jack Mitchell podcast if you are if you are interested. All right, we've got a lot to get to. Uh, more discussion on the realignment of the week. Realignment of the week. (laughs) The realignment of 2020-2022. It was uh, was a big deal. We'll talk more about Nebraska's impact uh, and how it impacts Nebraska. But next, we've got the defensive back position preview. Uh, We'll get to that right after this here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Our thanks to Nate Klaus from Inside Nebraska. If you missed him or anything else on the show today or any other Saturday, head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com. You can find our Facebook Lives all right there at KLIN Huskers. That's where we are right now as we dig into another summer position preview. It's time to talk DBs. We're getting into the secondary. And as we have touched on with quarterback and specialists, uh, not as much as running back, but there's a lot of starts that <laughs> just went out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, not as much with the specialists, I guess, but at least the starters from last year are not back. Yeah. Um, quarterback, you had to replace a four-year starter. Um, here in the secondary, there are five positions if you count the nickel position, <laughs> and four of them are being vacated by... Not just a starter from last year, Caleb, but multi-year starters at all four of those spots. Quentin Newsom is back as a starter, but that's it. Every yeah. every other spot is going to be a new guy there, uh, at least in some form or fashion. There's a couple guys with some starts here or there, but that's the first thing that stands out to me when you look at this secondary. Um, there's There's just a lot of experience that they don't have this year that they did have last year, and counting on... Chenander's unit, you know, top to bottom, all those spots to be able to just do what they did last year so that the offense can rise and and rise and lift the record. I don't know that that's a fair ask because there's a lot they got to get back and and, and figure out Mm -hmm. with, with, with just losing all that experience. Yeah. In, in the back end of that defense, because there was not an elite pass rusher, your back end had to be very good. Um, now, obviously, we know they weren't 100% on stuff. Um, there were times JoJo Doman got beat. There were times Cam Taylor Britt got beat. Deontay Williams, Markel Dismuke. We know that. But if you plot the entire course of the season, it was a very, very good group on the back end. Yes. And you had to have that without having your elite pass rusher, without having guys that could get to the quarterback. So you now don't have that. Who can come and fill that void? Um, and oh boy, did they go out and try to just get guys as options. <laughs> All the way down. Transfers, signings, you name it. They found a way to just get dudes to campus. Yeah, so let, let's let's run down first the, some of the returners. So you got... And I think, here's the thing. Before Yeah, as we go through yeah. the returners, yeah. I don't think Nebraska would have been like that bad off had they not added anyone other than high school signees. But yeah. you're better off with the transfers that you were able to get. So, yeah, yeah the returners. Yeah, so so you've got, obviously, Quentin Newsom with uh, having started every game last year. 
Um, Miles Farmer at one of the safety spots, uh, I, I think, is a pretty strong candidate to start. As he started five games in his career, four of them last season. That's one of our personal favorites because of two first-half interceptions. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you've got Isaac Gifford, uh, who was back after uh, getting a couple of starts late last season after JoJo Doman uh, finished off his career with that injury against Ohio State. He, he's... He's basically the guy at nickel if he if he wants it uh-huh. is kind of how I interpret it. Um, and then you have Braxton Clark who got one start in 2019, right? Was thought to be the guy coming in opposite Cam Taylor Britt in 2020. Got that hip injury, missed all of 2020. Uh, came back, played a lot last year. Didn't start, uh, but played a lot. And and he maybe has the upper hand if he is back to 100 percent health because of the way that Travis Fisher probably thinks of him. Um, but then you've also got other guys like Tyree Johnson, Taman Lynham, Kobe Bretts, Marquise Buford, um, Noah Pola Gates, Javin Wright. Those are all the guys that are back. And there's just as many guys who are new into the system as well. <laughs> that you know, the guys who are back, yes, they've got experience with Travis Fisher. Yes, they've got experience with Eric Janander and kind of seeing how the pieces fit. With between the linebackers, the D line, they they kind of see all of that. There's not a system change on defense in the same Correct. way we talk about the offense. Correct. So so having that experience in the system, even though you don't have starting or necessarily playing on the defense experience, that can still give you a leg up. However, you don't just go get all those guys via the transfer portal for nothing. <laughs> so options abound just like last week with running back options abound for travis fisher here mm-hmm. yeah and, <laughs> you start out with the the freshman that you signed yep um jaleel martin uh out of chicago gage stanger out of millard south uh those both at the safety position and then uh malcolm hartzog from uh mississippi and Jaden gold from new jersey those are your corners now everyone else transfers yep um, with your, uh, you got one safety transfer, Deshaun Singleton from Hutchinson Community College, Garden City Community College. Uh, is it Javier Morton? I think it's Javier. Okay. Yeah. That's the other thing is there's so many guys we got to go through and try yes. to re- relearn how to pronounce the names. Um, Tommy Hill from Arizona State, uh, Jaden, or uh, I already said that, Omar Brown from Northern Iowa. Yeah, a lot of transfers. Those are <laughs> those are heavy on tra- and and these positions. By the way, these are right off of Huskers dot com. Not necessarily the position that they may be playing. Right. Um. But but it's the way that you have uh just the the sheer number. Uh, it tells me that number one, <laughs> they're not going to just get a guy and think that he's going to work out. And if he doesn't, oh crap! What do we do now? They're not doing that. Mm-mm. They are absolutely 100% focused on having backup plans. They've yes. got a plan B. They've got a plan C. Maybe they think that Omar Brown is going to be the guy. Maybe they think Tommy Hill is going to be the guy to play opposite Quentin Newsom. Um, maybe they are really happy with what they have in Miles Farmer and uh, Marquise Buford at safety. But maybe Deshaun Singleton is really that good, and he goes up and grabs one of those safety jobs. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jaden Gould as a true freshman is really that good. So they have just a lot of options. And another thing that is important that we talked about at uh, at the quarterback position is they've got competition. Yes. And then the competition part of it is is hopefully what will lift all boats. You just get better mm-hmm. because there are a lot of talented guys here who could have transferred to a lot of other big-time places, places that have had a lot more recent success than Nebraska. Right. They chose to come here. So... All of those aspects of it tell me that they're not just resting on, you know, hey, this is the guy we wanted, or these are the two guys we wanted. Let's go get three, four, five guys we want and make sure that we aren't in a position like we were at kicker in 2019. (laughs) Right. Now, obviously, those newcomers, half the room, didn't get a chance to play with the outgoing guys. Right. Cam Taylor Britt, JoJo Doman, Markel Dismuke, Deontay Williams. But what did those four guys do? They left a legacy of just being hard hitters and flying everywhere on the field. Oh, yeah. Never being out of a play. I hope that resonated with the guys who are returning, and that is a mainstay within the room. Mm -hmm. If you have that, what that carries over into, whether it's the returners or newcomers, there are so many scholarship guys in this room. They got to be on special teams. Yes. I think the part of the recruiting for these guys, one, 
black shirts defense. You're going to put even it might be half these guys playing special teams yeah. easily. Yeah, they're going to be on punt coverage. They're going to be on kickoff coverage because they're going to be fast and they can hit. And that's that's what you want. That's that, and that's what you've wanted to see from more of the guys that were your starting caliber players. That they were going to go be the guys that got in there on special teams. So I think we're going to get that. But for the defensive side, four guys. If you're picking four today, man, Cole, who are they? So if if you had to get four guys that are starting opposite Quentin, not opposite Quentin Newsom, but Quentin Newsom being the starter locked in at one spot, is he is he locked in? Yes, are we, we're, we're saying I, he's locked in. I'm saying he's locked in. KLI and Husker Hour official stamp. He's got it. Well, that's that's a graphic that we didn't bring up until just now. <laughs> Sorry, Kenny. That's that's our bad. <laughs> um. I think we can lock in Miles Farmer as well. I'm I, I like what he brings to the safety position, and he does have some starting experience and production mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at that spot. Um, Marcus Buford, I think, is another guy who's going to start, and I think he starts at that other safety spot mm-hmm. with Miles Farmer. Nickel, I'm going to go Isaac Gifford because I I mean he he's he's got the genes. Luke played for this program and, and did it well. I guess that's another question. Are they really are they going to use a nickel spot in the same way they used they, the JoJo position? Yeah, it, it may not be like an exclusive spot for him per se, like it was with JoJo. You may see more of a a linebacker type mm-hmm. on more run looking downs, like a Chris Kalarovic has been one of the guys who's been in the mix at that nickelback position. He he's not a guy we included in this preview because right. he's listed as a linebacker yeah. on the site. But he yeah, you, you may see some of that split up in terms of responsibilities. But I do like Isaac Gifford in the pass down yeah. situations, and maybe overall they may just give it to him. Uh, okay, the, so the what most difficult? Spot, so what I think we're is deciding here is who's the other corner? Is right. it Omar Brown or is it Tommy Hill? Is that what we're saying? You think, it's, you think it's down to those two? I think it's between those two. You don't think Braxton Clark has a, a shot to get back in the mix? I think he's he's in the mix, but I think the positions between those two for for your opening day starter, everyone yeah. healthy, you're in Ireland. It's between those two. And and speaking of health, that's another part to this. Omar Brown um, was was still coming off of injury, if I recall, and so Tommy Hill may have the inside track. He was here in the spring. Mm-hmm. He's got the number zero. He has my blessing. <laughs> Maybe for that factor alone, I, mean, I should give in, it to him. And in, in this is, I have it between those two guys, but yeah. yes, Braxton Clark. Yes, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Johnson. Or Ty, Tyreek Johnson. I'm just going to start <laughs> combining all these guys into, oh man, that guy's a really good NFL player all of a sudden. Oops. Um, That'd be a good get for Travis Fisher, by the way. <laughs> Hell of an athlete. Yeah, if you put that guy on your defense, just say, "All right, go." Um, the corner blitz is going to be sweet. Yes, um, but there are a lot of really good athletes in here that yeah. I think can do the job. Yeah. But who's the guy that's starting in Dublin? I think it's between Omar Brown and Tommy Hill, and I do think it is Tommy Hill. I'm going to want to say Tommy Hill figure at some point this season. Yeah, people, people of a certain age will know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, when we were ta- when we were talking with Nate, and we keep talking about Maverick Noonan, I'm like, I can't hear you say that without thinking of Caddyshack. So Danny Noonan, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, what are your thoughts on the other spots? The Isaac Gifford, Mark I agree Gifford, with all Marlon, of those. Miles Farmer, okay, yeah, that, that that's right. that's where I was going. But the same yeah. thing, yeah. As we we kind of lock some of those guys in, that's not to say that someone else isn't going to be right there pushing them and have the possibility of taking that spot, right? Um. But there is less competition at safety than there is at at corner, you yeah, know, because because you're you're a lot younger in that room. Mm. Um, so so the num- the guys that have had snaps and have the experience have got a giant leg up. Whereas at corner, you brought in some real deal transfers. Yes, um, it, it, it's much harder to fill that out, especially when you are playing essentially for one spot, um, opposite Quentin Newsom. So <laughs> this is just a room that has so many people. Yeah, so many people. But I do. I I agree with all those other spots. It's really we're down to deciding: is it going to be Tommy Hill at the opposite corner, or is it going to be someone coming back, or is Omar Brown going to be healthy enough? It's so funny too because we we have the the position previews. We're kind of going back and forth. We do an offense one, we do a defense one. This is the first one we've done on defense, and 
we didn't really even hardly talk about the coaching part of it because Travis Fisher is in his fifth <laughs> season doing this. Yeah. Like that is a huge difference when you are like last week we talked about running back and yeah, they've got options at running back and that's for one job. And, but the other part of that is Brian Applewhite's the new guy there mm-hmm. and he's, he's going to be doing things differently than what Ryan held was. Yeah. Travis Fisher has been doing this the entire time. Scott Frost has been in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And so that stability just from the coaching side of it, that that that's the one thing that gives me pause is, you know, they yes, they brought in Tommy Hill, yes, they brought in Omar Brown, but you gotta think that if Braxton Clark gets back to hundred percent health, that there's gonna be a little bit of a soft spot from Travis Fisher for a guy he's been who's who's been in his room for mm-hmm. three or four seasons. That's that's the one thing that gives me pause to just not handing the get the 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 job over to a transfer. We also have to mention that in the same way we'll get to this with like linebackers and all of that, but yeah. your corners can rotate. Oh, for like, sure. Like for if, sure. if a guy just covered a fly route yeah. and he's able to just get to the sideline and you just run in a fresh fresh pair of legs that can do the job yeah. just as well. That's going to be a big deal. So we're talking exclusively who's going to be listed number one on the depth chart, right? Pray to God they do not do the blank or blank. Stop that. Give me all the oars. <laughs> yes, just yeah, blank or blank or blank or blank. Okay, you listed the whole roster. What are we doing here? Get it together, guys. I need a one, a two, and a three. Just just don't put out a depth <laughs> chart. We'll just put down stats in the press release. Like, what was it, Michigan? Michigan. Stop it. Harbaugh. Get out of here, khakis. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) All right. uh, We're going to finish this thing up with some more realignment talk. How does the USC and UCLA edition matter to Nebraska? Uh, And and Caleb's going to get out his red string and tell us how this is going to go as well. (laughs) That's all coming up here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Wrapping things up here on a KLIN Husker Hour. Your first Saturday in July. We've had name image likeness has been going for an entire calendar year now. Think about the stuff we know differently today than we knew a year ago. And there, there's a lot. We could have done an entire show just on name image likeness. But Cole and I have to talk about the... Conference realignment. So you've got Oklahoma, Texas going to the Southeastern Conference. You've got USC, UCLA coming to the Big Ten. So that's where we're set. In a couple of years, you are at the SEC and the Big Ten going to be at 16 teams. Cole. Yes. How do you see the next wave of realignment or this current wave continuing going? So it it looks like two different paths and and these are more boiled down it's not it's not just hey this is the only two ways it can go but mostly it's two different paths for me you've got the pack 10 right now in os mode we get to talk we get to talk about them as the pack 10 again right get not that, the pack 12 little like sunshine like blue <laughs> blue box logo back so the pack 10 i'm going to just yeah they they have a decision to make they can try to lock in the rest of these 10 remaining schools and go get more and they will then poach the mountain west and uh conference usa and i don't know maybe the Sun Belt. who knows so so, so what are we you, thinking you, like unlv san diego um yeah san diego state, state you go get air, air force colorado state i don't know something like that a boise yeah boise would probably be high on their list uh, so the, the, those are those are some ways they can go. Mm-hmm. You can poach the lower divisions, and then those those group of five conferences kind of get decimated, and maybe there's maybe there's just one not left, and you go down to 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 nine. Mm-hmm. The other way that it can go is the Pac-12 is either just picked apart and dissolves, or it merges in some way with the Big Twelve, and in in either sense, the old Pac-12 that we knew is is gone. Mm-hmm. Those are like just just looking at it from a strictly Pac-12 perspective. 
those are the two ways it goes. Either they stick together the the remaining ten, and and they find a way to expand and and they do what the Big Twelve did and go find like the best of the right. rest, so to speak, or they just they just have a, a a marriage with the Big Twelve and just be like, hey, for for the mutual uh, non destruction of our conferences, we need to come together in this moment. Th- those are the two directions that the Pac ten, Pac twelve. Uh, getting getting these two plucked out. That's the ways it can go for me. I think the pack is going to lose m- multiple other schools. To be I, fair, I, I I think more is going to happen. So yes. so what's going to happen is I do believe the Big Ten is eventually going to be able to get Notre Dame. Yeah, and I think they're also going to get Stanford, Oregon, Washington. Those th- other three on the West Coast. Okay. those are three AAU members. So that's a big deal. Notre Dame, great academics as well. Yeah. So when you add all of those, you add in premier institutions. You add in Premier Athletics. Stanford, okay, Texas won the last two um, Commissioner's Cups, but Stanford pretty much runs that thing every single year. They're dominant. Um, The other option for the Big Ten, if you do want to go into Texas, TCU has got a pretty good market. Um, You could go into a a school out of Florida. You could grab Georgia Tech, Atlanta. I don't think they're going to do that. I think the Big Ten is trying to add Notre Dame and then other schools on the West. Now, what you do if you get those three others on the West, that gives you five, and you are up to 20 schools right? Um, for your league, and you can do four pods of five. You've got your West Coast pod built right there yeah. that they get to annually play. That works out so well. This is the part where I say we're going to go forward so much with super conferences that eventually it's going to look a lot more like what we're used to in the olden days. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a very small essentially mini conference out on the west coast as part of a larger confederation that's what i believe we're going to now if you get those the sec just goes ahead and takes four other schools from the acc acc they go up the coast like yeah. virginia tech yeah the acc is just going to have to figure some stuff out yeah big 12 just combines with the other seven pac 12 schools and adds san diego state or unlv so you're going to end up with big 10 the Big 12 Pac 12 merger and the SEC at 20 schools each. I think that's what we're heading to. Now, we were going to talk about what this means for Nebraska's other sports, mm-hmm. smaller sports. Baseball and softball, play your first few weekends in LA. Like if we're talking just the what what's out there right now with USC and UCLA. Yeah. Play your first couple weekends out there in, in LA. Front load their schedule mm. with home series. Yeah. That makes sense. We're a little bit cooler weather. Right. Um, so I think there's a way to creatively schedule that. Mm-hmm. Track and field, if we're talking about that, you don't have to go to all the same meets. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not a thing that you have to do. So USC and UCLA can predominantly go to, like, West Coast competitions and be part of the Big Ten as a whole. Right. You don't have to change with a lot of that stuff. Um, same with cross-country. There's so many of these that... There's going to be a way around it. Yes, it'll end up being pretty decent travel. You're going to have to make a West Coast trip for your basketball or your volleyball. Yeah. If you go out there, you're out there for a weekend to play both. Yeah. But I think as a whole, it can definitely be done, especially if you got the dollars. I just want them to go full media market and go Notre Dame, obviously, but then give me the Bay Area with Stanford, Yep. Dallas-Fort Worth with TCU, and Atlanta with Georgia Tech. Just, yeah, that's a possibility. That's out of the Jim Delaney playbook. But you can it. go get Seattle with Washington, and you yeah. can get all the Nike money with Oregon. Lots of ways they can go. <laughs> it's going to be fun. All right. Hey, enjoy the fourth. We will see you next week. Another position preview. Go Big Red.